So how many of you guys are, um, are Christmas addicts? Who's got, who's got a tree up yet? Oh my gosh. See, in my house we have a rule. We don't celebrate Christmas until after the turkey's done on Thanksgiving. Is anybody with me on that? There we go. All right. Some of you, some of you Christmas, some of you Christmas fools need to need to slow down a little bit. Um, my name's Jake. I want to welcome you guys to the Crossings Church. Uh, we're excited that you guys are here. Um, I, I'm excited to be here today. I'm excited for just the holiday season in general. Um, I love the holiday season. It's it's always been a great time for our family just to get some extra time to our to our families um, and to. Just to kind of, uh, just to relax a little bit. And here at the church, I feel like it's cool because I have a, I have a connection to a bunch of friends and I have, I have relationships in the church that I don't just get to experience the holidays anymore just with my family, but I have a larger family now. And uh, the holidays I know can be hard for some families and it can be hard for some people because of that disconnection or that lack of family in life. And so if you're visiting with us and it's the holiday season, you're getting kind of wrapped up with that. I just want you to know that we're glad that you're here and that maybe you can find something here today or um, that will kickstart an opportunity for you to know God, but also to know his people. And so um, we're actually jumping into a new sermon series today talking about thankfulness. And Thanksgiving is right around the corner. And, you know, usually when you come to church around Thanksgiving time, there's some sort of thankfulness um, or there's some sort of uh, gratitude lessons that go along with it. I got some feedback. I don't know what, what I'm doing wrong, but let me know <laughs> if I need to change something. Uh, but um, I do believe that uh, it is important for us to talk about thankfulness and gratitude during this time. You know, it's, it's an important uh, remembrance. And I think a lot of times when you look in culture and you look at the idea of thankfulness and gratitude, you, you, you get the sense that it's more of like a thought or more like a word. You know, it's, it's a spoken thing that you say, oh, thank you, you know. We say thank you so much. They have so many greeting cards that they, that they make every single year that are thank you cards for whatever's going on in life, you'll receive a thank you card. Or whatever's, whatever somebody does something for you, you receive a, a, a verbal thank you. And, and I feel like the society around us has told us that if you're thankful for something, all you have to do is say it. All you have to do is let them know that you have acknowledged what they're doing and you say thank you and the thankfulness is done. And you have, you have shown that there is thankfulness in your life. But when you look in Scripture, you don't necessarily see that same, that same idea. You don't see that same definition when we talk about thankfulness and gratitude. And so this sermon series is, is more about being, becoming a grateful person, more so than just in our language, but in our lives. And so today we're talking about thinking about our thankfulness and three realities about thankfulness or lack thereof. You see, when you, look in, when you look in Scripture, there's over 400 times whenever the Scripture mentions the word thankfulness or be thankful or be grateful or have gratitude. And it is more than occasionally saying that, but it's a way of thinking that I think God wants us to create into a way of life. Um, it's not on your notes, but in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, actually, I'm not going to read that yet, but um, I'm, uh, you know, sh- uh, pause for dramatic effect. How many of you guys, if you would come to church and you, and you would wonder what your will for your life is, how many people do you think come to church to try to figure out what they're meant to do with life? Well, you know, a lot of people do that. They come to church and say, I'm trying to figure out what God's will for my life is. And maybe you have an idea. If I, if I literally ask every single person in this room, what do you think God's will for your life is? I bet 
we would probably get a lot of different answers. But I, get, I bet more than anything that nobody would probably give the answer that we're about to read in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And if you have your Bible, you want to pull along with that. But in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. You see, God's will for us today, and if you're coming to church and saying, I'm just trying to figure out what, my, what God's will is for me. I'm trying to figure out what God wants for me in my life. Not many of us would probably say it's that he wants me to be thankful in my circumstances. You know, would, would anyone have said that that was their thought? Because it, it wasn't mine whenever I think about my will for, for, for my life or what God's will is for my life. And so it, it, it must be important enough for God to say that that's our will. That's his will for us. There must be something important that we need to catch that because there's not very many times in scripture where God says, this is my will for you. There's a few times, but it's not very frequent. And so there must be an important factor that if you're looking for God's will for your life today, you just found it. That there's this idea that he wants us to be thankful and be, and be grateful in our lives. And so it's mentioned so many times in Scripture. If it's mentioned as part of our will for our lives, we got to know what, what this gratitude looks like. we got to know what this thankfulness looks like, and we got to figure out the reality of thankfulness and the lack thereof in our lives. So that's what we're going to dive into today. So the first point and the three realities about thankfulness or a lack thereof is the first one is initial thankfulness is a natural result of my spiritual birth. Initial thankfulness is a natural result of my spiritual birth. You see, nobody gets baptized not wanting to get baptized. <laughs> Have you ever seen anybody that's like, I want to surrender my life to Christ? And then they, they, they find a baptistry and, and, they, and, they, and they're talking and they're like, let's just get this done. Like, I, I don't want to do this, man. Like, it's whatever. The Bible says to do it. And, I'm just going to do it. Like, gosh, like, let's get it done. Like, you don't see that, right? Nobody has that thought because if that's your thought when you're getting baptized, you're not really getting baptized. You're not really surrendering your life to Christ. You're doing it because somebody's got a gun to your head or you're doing it because somebody's forced you or you're going to get grounded because your parents are making you do this as a young... Like, I don't know, but you're not doing that on your own will. Nobody has that thought process when they surrender their lives to Christ. You see, because it's only natural that that thankfulness is, initi is initiated when we choose to give our lives to Christ. We've seen something so compelling and so, 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 so positive and something that can bless our lives so much that there's nothing that we can do but be thankful and grateful for what God has done for our lives. And that moment and that point of our spiritual birth, that's where we need to pinpoint back to to remember where gratitude and thankfulness comes from. Paul writes here in Colossians 2, and we're going to kind of look through this verse today a little bit, or this chapter, but he says, And now, just as you accepted Christ, Jesus as your Lord, and there should be, it should say dot, dot, dot there, because we're going we're gonna to continue with this verse later, but it, should, it says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as Lord. And what he's telling the church here is he's saying, Listen, just just when you, you need to look back and you need to remember and just as you did that and he's referring to the present time but he's wanting them to look back at whenever they first accepted Jesus as Christ. 
And I think at times that's where our thankfulness needs to start. And at times we forget that. I think at times we choose to forget what it was like before we knew who Jesus was. And maybe for some of us, we don't even know what that even looks like to start with. We don't know what it's like to have a blessed life. We don't know what it's like to have a good life with Jesus. So we don't even know where to, where to start. And that's okay too. And that's why we're glad you're here. Because thankfulness has a starting point, And it starts whenever you start to see God working in your life. And that's so important for us to remember time and time again that we have to go back to that and remember that. In Luke 8, you know, in Luke 8, it talks about these different types of soils and these different types of seeds. And, you know, we pinpoint one here in Luke 8, 13, and it says, This specific seed is falling on gravel. It represents those who initially respond to the word with joy, but soon afterwards, when a season of harassment of the enemy and difficulty came to them, they wither and fall away, for they have no root in truth, and their faith is temporary. You see, sometimes our thankfulness and our spiritual birth starts something, but when it's not engraved and deeply rooted in our relationship with God, it's just surface. And where this is a point that we need to remember and we need to go back to, we can't sit here and let that be the only thing that shows gratitude and it's the only thing that we have thankfulness in our lives. You see, it's kind of like called like a honeymoon phase, right? We've all heard of a honeymoon phase before, right? And you get married and then you go on your honeymoon and it's great, you know, and it's, and it's an awesome time. And the reality is, is that it's so nice is because there's so much good that it overwhelms the bad, right? Or like, you, you know, you teens and student ministries, like, I know some of y'all have been going on some dates recently. Like, I know some of y'all are in some new relationships. I've seen the way you guys get a little red when you guys are talking about it. Like, I, I'm a campus minister. I know what it's like. I see it all the time. And I see when there's interactions at my cross chats at my house and certain people get a little red in the face and somebody calls them out. It's a nice little honeymoon phase, huh? I'm not going to mention names. Uh, I probably shouldn't, you know. I will say when, they're, when their face gets red, it matches their hair color. But, you know, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal, you know. But there's these honeymoon phases that happen all the time, right? And it's so good. It's so nice. And it's so lovely because there's so many positives that outweigh the negatives. There's so much hope. There's so much willingness to, to sacrifice and be like, I'll, I'll go do this with you. It's so, like, I'll, I'll sacrifice some time to go to, to hang out with you. Sure, that's fine, you know. It's so happy. And that's the honeymoon phase. But the reality is, is that until that honeymoon phase is tested, you will never realize if you are truly grateful for that honeymoon phase. You'll never realize if you're truly grateful for the long-term gratefulness and thankfulness that you're meant to have for that relationship. You see, no, nobody looks at their marriage 10 years down the road and says, you know, you know why our marriage is so good? Man, we killed it on our wedding night. The planning went fine. Your outfit was fire. My outfit was fire. The food, bomb. 10 years later, look at us now. It's because of that one day. Nobody says that, right? Or that honeymoon, oh my gosh. We are so strong in our marriage because of those four days we went on vacation in a different country that we'd never been to. That foreign thing that we've never been a part of, we've never done, that's why we are how strong we are today. Nobody says that, right? 
because that's not what it looks like to have a healthy relationship. That's just a starting point. And so many times, I believe, though, Christians do the same thing. And we say, man, you know when I went under that water? That's why I am the way I am today. It's just, it's that one moment. That one moment changed everything in my life. And that's not the truth either. You see, sometimes we get that backwards and we, and we misconstrue that. And there's a reason that we need to remember that. Just like when you're married, just like when, you're, when you've had a honeymoon phase, and you're supposed to look back on those times and say, that's where it started. That's where the goodness happened, and that's where it started, and we need to remember that. But it doesn't, it doesn't end there. That's not, that's not it. In Hebrews 10, 32 through 4, it says, Think back to the days after you were first enlightened and understood who Jesus was, when you endured all sorts of suffering in the name of the Lord. He's wanting them to look back to those moments when people held you up for public scorn and ridicule and when they abused your partners and companions in the faith. Remember, that's, that's a thought, going back and thinking about this. Remember how you had compassion for those in prison and how you joyfully accepted the seizure of your possessions, knowing that you have a far greater and more, endu- and more enduring possessions. You see, joyfulness, and joyfully, I think, is underlined in your notes, and if it's not, go ahead and do that. That's a byproduct of being grateful. And there's such an importance for us to remember and us to go back to that starting point, because that's where everything should start. And so our initial gratitude and thankfulness is a natural result of our spiritual birth. But our second point is continuing thankfulness to God is a good indicator of our spiritual maturation. You see, it's not enough to just go back and look. It's not enough to just remember those moments. But to have a mature relationship with God, to have a deep relationship with God, your thankfulness and gratitude has to continue. You have to find new windows of gratitude, new opportunities to be thankful. You have to continue to look into your life, and we have to look into our lives day in and day out and look for those windows and not just plant back on an awesome memory. Because our lives right now, when we look back at our baptism, to us, it is just a memory. We can't live off of a memory. We have to continue to put actions into place so that where we're at today, we can be grateful for. And I know in my life, it has gotten harder and harder and harder to live off of a baptism that happened so long ago. And so I call myself and I call my heart to look back at those moments when I surrender my life to Christ. But the reality is, is that God has put other things in my life since that day because that was the starting point of blessings. And since then, since I've chosen to follow God, he has continued to bless my life. And those are the reasons that I think Christians need to look at and say, this is why my faith is the way that it is. You see, in, in, in Colossians, he doesn't just stop in verse 2, 6, like we talked about. The second part of that, it says, after you need to remember that, it says, you must continue to follow. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. You see, it's so important for us to, to recognize that there is not a point that we have arrived, that our, that our gratitude and thankfulness has been made complete because of an action that we have done to surrender our lives to Christ. 
But for us to continue to have gratitude and thankfulness means that we need to continue to find things in our lives and, 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 and have our roots, like it says here, grow down into a relationship with God to continually see the blessings and be grateful for these things as we walk on. Another interesting point here is it doesn't say that it will be filled with thankfulness. This is a big point because it doesn't say you'll be filled with thankfulness here. It says you'll be overflowed with thankfulness. There's a big difference between the two. Because if I was to take a cup of water, scoop up some water, boom, set it on this, on, on this little podium here, would that cup of water ever overflow if I just stared at it? It wouldn't. I'm like, overflow, just do it. You know, like, it, would, it would never overflow. Why not? Because nothing's going into it. For that cup to overflow, something has to continually be being poured into that cup for it to overflow. And it's the same way with our gratitude and our relationship with God. And that's why it says that we will overflow with thankfulness because we cannot just look back at past memories and say, I am filled. Because we're not meant to be filled. We're meant to overflow. Our lives are meant to overflow that we cannot contain it. The joy and the blessings and the gratitude that God has in our lives and he has blessed us with overflow and it's a continual process that not as I'm, as I'm 32 years old and I'm like, I'm just so thankful that there's not anything else in my life that I could ever need or want. But for me to continue to live in a way in my life that says, it's just so great. It just gets better and better. My life gets to this point where it's just great and better and better and God has done so many things into my life and I just overflow with thankfulness. We have to look at the little wins that God has given us time and time again for us to mature in our relationship with him. And, you know, Colossians starts out pretty, pretty awesome, right? In, the, in, in Colossians 2. But then he gives us a warning in verse 8. Because our third point is declining thankfulness to God is a danger sign of my spiritual degradation. Declining thankfulness to God is a danger sign of my spiritual degradation. Degradation. <laughs> We put that word in there just because it rhymes with maturation. It's just degrading, you know. <laughs> so it's, just a, it's a cool little play on words there. I can, have, I can barely say it. But it's, it's my spiritual degrading, you know. It, it's going on the, de, on the decline, right? Because look at what it says here in Colossians 2.8. It says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. See, now there's a warning. Because God wants us to give him thankfulness and gratitude for everything we have in our lives. But the world's not so keen on that. The world we live in is not so keen on that. The philosophies that we hear on this earth are not parallel to the philosophies that we hear in Scripture. You see, we hear in the world, oh, you got a promotion? Man, that's on you, man. Good work. You did, you did your job all on you, buddy. Give yourself, the, give yourself the gratitude there. Oh, your family's great. Bunch of kids staying in school, staying, staying smart, respecting your parent. Like, that's your parenting, man. Like, that's all on you. And we choose to find these little things that happen in our lives, these little wins, and we believe that it's because of us. We believe that it's because of what we've done. This isn't God. The world says it's because of me. I'm pretty awesome, you know? And so I, I believe that I'm, like, 
I'm going to thank myself. You know, I'm going to be grateful for what I've done for myself. I've, I've made myself into something different. And that's hard in the culture we live in, right? It's pretty broken, isn't it? You see, I grew up in a culture, and I'm sure some of you guys did too, that it was pretty broken. I didn't grow up with a dad in my life. I grew up very poor. And the things that were, were beaded down on me as a kid from my mom were, you need to look out for yourself, right? You do you first. You just do you. And wherever you get in life, that's because of you. Anybody ever heard something like that growing up, right? And so we, we continue to believe that philosophy. Oh, this is because of me. This is because of what I did. And, and because of nobody else. I ain't got to thank nobody else. I don't owe anybody else anything. But this is, this is on me. And we choose to listen to those philosophies. And just like it says here, it's high sounding. Like it sounds like it's, it makes sense. But the reality is, is that it's empty and that it's nonsense. Because God says, ain't nothing because of you. You didn't do anything yourself. Everything that good happens to you is because I've blessed you with that. And you can't ever forget that. You see, we make decisions to follow God, but he's the one that gives us the blessings in return. And these philosophies tempt me to diminish who Christ is and what he has done for me. You see, the more that we believe that we have done things in our life, the less that we believe that God is who he is. And the more that we believe that we do these things, the more we believe that God doesn't really do things for us. And then we start flirting with this dangerous line that we start to believe that God maybe isn't who he says he is because we're getting everything done ourselves. But I don't know about you, but I know I've been myself in that situation time and time again, and I look at the rut that I've dug myself in, and then I want to come back to God and be like, why'd you put me here? You see, and I believe God's not like, I believe God's like, hey man, you said I don't do nothing. Like, that's on you. Like, <laughs> You just do you, man. Like, that's all on you. And I, I believe that. Like, I believe a lot of times I've looked at my life and been like, no, this is because of me. And then I get myself in the spot. I'm like, why did you let me do this, God? <laughs> He's like, no, that's any me. Like, you believed it. Like, you're just doing you. And so that's all on you, you know? And I think that's what, that's, I think that's what he's getting at here with this idea of, of declining thankfulness. In Romans 1, 21 and 22, it says, although they knew God, they didn't honor God as God. They honored him with a little g, not an uppercase g. Or thank him. Instead, their reasoning became pointless and their foolish hearts were darkened. While they were claiming to be wise, they made fools of themselves. You see, I think a lot of times we honor God as a Savior, but we don't honor God as a Lord. And we choose to thank him for heaven, salvation, but we don't choose to be grateful for him in our actions and lifestyle for what he wants us to believe and live by. And it's so important for us to realize that this gratitude is so important because of what it can do to our lives if we choose to decline it. In 2 Timothy 3.2, it says, But you must realize that in the last days, the times will be full of danger. Listen to this part. Men will become utterly self-centered, 
greedy, full of big words. They'll be proud and contemptuous without any regard for what their parents taught them. They will be utterly lacking in gratitude. You see, this verse says there's a danger coming because in the last days of times, as we get closer and closer to that time, it will be harder and harder to be grateful for what God is doing in our lives. Isn't that so true? When you look at the world, when you look at your relationships, when you look at your context, doesn't it get harder the older you get to be grateful for what God has done in your life because of how much negative and negativity is around us in the world? And he, and he lets us know, like, this is a dangerous time to be living right now. We're in a dangerous time because we're going to start becoming more self-centered. It's going to be more about us. Look at the social media platforms. It's not about other people. It's all about, it's all about themselves. There's such a self-centeredness in our world right now. Greedy. Look at, look, at the, look at the country we live in. It's all about money. It's all about prosperity. It's all about security. It's all about just what can I get, what can I get, what can I get? People are pride, you know, proud and contemptuous. But the reality is, is that it's all encompassed in a, in a lack of gratitude. You see, not a lot of preachers say this, and not a lot of preachers get on this topic, but the reality is, ingratitude is sin. And if you're not grateful for what God has done in your life, that's a dangerous sin you've invited into your world. Because when we choose to look at our lives and we forget and we're not grateful for the things God has blessed us with, we invite the sin into our lives to say, you know what, I don't have to be grateful for those things. I, I, I'm doing these things myself. And we let the pride and we let the self-centeredness and we let the greed and we let all these other stems of sin come into our lives. But the reality is the source of those is a lack of gratitude. That's the sin that has to be dealt with. That will eliminate all the other stems. And it's so important for us to realize that this isn't just a, oh, I forget to say thank you. Oh, I forget to do this. Because we don't view other sins like that, right? Oh, I forgot to turn the computer off when I was looking at porn the other night. You know, I just, I just forgot. It's my bad on that sin, you know. Or, I, you know, I forgot, to, I forgot to pay at the register whenever I had a whole cart full of groceries. I just, I just forgot. It's bad sin on me, you know. Like, and we look at, we look at gratitude and we're like, I just forgot to say thank you. I'll get it next time around. But it's the same, you know. When we forget, we forget. But the reality is, is it's, it's, it's still sin. Because we choose to live in a way that doesn't honor the command in the first place. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Don't worry over anything, whatever. Tell God every detail of your needs in earnest and thankful prayer. And here's the byproduct. And the peace of God, which transcends human understanding, will keep constant guard over your hearts and minds. You see why it's so important to give God thankfulness and gratitude? is because he guards your heart. God guards our hearts when we give him our thanks and our gratitude in every day-to-day -day life, no matter the midst of what's going on in our lives. We don't have to be grateful for the circumstance that we're in. You know, for some of you guys, like I said, growing up without a dad, that sucked. And I hated it. And I wasn't grateful to not have a dad. And I had a very bad childhood growing up. And I look at my life today, now that I'm a Christian, I would say, and I'm still not very happy that I grew up without a dad. It's just the honest truth. But the reality is, is that God says you don't have to be happy 
with your circumstance. You have to be happy in your circumstance. There's a big difference between the two. And I think sometimes the difference is, is because in one of those solutions, we don't want to give God gratitude. And in one of those situations, we can choose to give God gratitude. And it's so hard to want to give God gratitude in a circumstance that we don't desire. But that's why this verse is so important, is because when we can choose to give God thanks and give God gratitude in the midst of a circumstance that's not desirable, he chooses to guard our hearts from those evil philosophies, from those self-centeredness ideas, from those things, so that they don't seep in and turn us into a sin in the midst of a, of a situation, a circumstance that we don't want to be in in the first place. But he guards us in those, and he gives us that opportunity to still find joy in the hardest of circumstances. You know, a kingdom doesn't put anybody on guard if there's not an enemy, right? That would make no sense. Why would a kingdom have guards if there's no enemies? The same thing is so true about what Jesus is willing to do for our lives. Because when we, when we choose to give God gratitude and we pray and we give thanks, there's a guard around our hearts. You only have guards when there's enemies. So the verse in context here is pretty much telling us, listen, if you have a guard, that means there is an enemy. If the Bible's talking about you needing to guard something, that means that there is somebody out there wanting to steal it. That means that there is something out there wanting to infiltrate it. That means that there is an enemy waiting to attack it. That's what guarding is, to protect from that. There would be no need for guarding if there wasn't an enemy. And so this verse tells us that we have to make sure that our hearts are on guard to make sure that our lives aren't controlled and our lives aren't put in a position that our hearts and minds are taken away by the enemy that our hearts are taken away by the world, the hearts are taken not away by the social media, by the people of the world, and, and change so that there is no lack of gratitude for God. So the easiest way to assess the spiritual direction of my life may be to assess the level of spiritual thankfulness in my life. And so when we look at our lives and we look at the directions of our lives and we look at if that guard is there or not, Look at, where, look at where your life's heading right now. Like, just take an honest minute and just look at your life. Look at where you're at right now and look at where you feel like you're heading. You see, like I said, I, I grew up without a dad and my mom was a bartender. And when I graduated high school, I just didn't want to be like that. I wanted to be different. I wanted to be in a different context. Um... And so my life was kind of centered around myself. And I was like, I got to get out of this. And the way I'm going to get out of this is to do what I want to do. And so I started making decisions based on what I thought was right to get me out of the context that I was in. And so I went and found myself a job. And I went to start spending time and investing in relationships with girls that weren't like my family. And I started making all these decisions. And I looked at where my life was heading. And there were some like worldly like good things, like I was getting money and I, I had friends to, to an extent. But the reality was some of the things that I was doing, the decisions that I was making, they were leading me down the same exact slope that my dad was like. 
and it scared the mess out of me that I was like, I don't know what to do. Like I tried doing it my way and I started going on this path and the reality was I was still just as depressed, just as sad, just as lonely as I was when I was growing up as a kid. And the direction that I felt like my life was heading was not a good direction. And like I said, I'm a campus minister here. I work with a lot of our college students, and I see the same things. I, I talk time and time again with college students, and I study time and time again with college students and their lives, and they talk about the direction of their lives. And they talk about the abuse that has happened at home. And they talk about the, the, the relationships that were just terrible growing up. And they talk about all these things, and they're kind of stuck at like a, like, a, like a crossroads. And they're like, I feel like my life is moving in a direction that I do not want it to move in. And I do not know what to do about that. And maybe some of you guys are at that point today. Maybe some of you guys are looking at your life and you're like, if I don't make some changes, I'm afraid of the direction that my life is going. I do not like the direction that my life is going. And the reality is, is when you look at anything we've talked about today, what I'm telling you, what I'm pleading with you is, is there's probably a good chance that you are not very grateful or thankful for the things that God has done in your life. Because when we have that gratitude and when we have that thankfulness for what God has done for us and what God is doing for us, we don't get ourselves on a path that says, I'm not very happy about where I'm going. I'm not very happy about the direction of my life. We find the joy and we find the direction and we say, this is something and so maybe there's a connection that needs to happen here. Maybe there's some wires that aren't lined up in our lives with where our direction is going and where our gratitude has been. And so if that's the case, and maybe you're feeling that way today, maybe you're feeling like, I don't really know and I don't really like the pathway that I'm going. How do I know if I've fallen into these philosophies? How do I know if I've been believing myself or I've been more self-centered, I've been more greedy? Like, how do I know if my philosophy has been on gratitude or if my philosophy has been on the world. Well, we're going to talk about that for a little bit. That's the second part of what we're going to be talking about today. And so there's two questions you pretty much need to ask yourself. And the first one is, does my life show that Jesus controls my life? Does our life show that Jesus controls my life? How do I know if I've fallen into ingratitude? Does your life show that? Colossians 2, 8 through 10. Be careful not to let anyone rob you of this faith through a shallow and misleading philosophy. Such a person follows human traditions and the world's way of doing things rather than following life or following Christ. You see, this first part is pretty much saying we are controlled by the world. Don't let anybody rob you of that. Don't let, anybody, don't let the world control you. But then verse 9 picks up, says, All of God lives in Christ's body, and God has made you complete in Christ." Christ is in charge of every ruler and authority. You see, it's so important for us to remember who controls our life. And maybe we need to ask ourselves that today. When you look at your week, who's in control? It's easy for us to come to church on Sunday and say, well, Lord, Jesus is in control. <laughs> you know, Jesus is in control of my life, and I, and I love where I'm going and the direction that I'm going. And it's just, it's so great that, I, that this is the direction that my life is. It's easy to say that. But Titus 1.16 says, they say they know God, but their actions speak louder than their words. It's easy to say that God's in control because we go to church, or maybe if you're really a Christian, like a, like a deep one, maybe you go to a small group too. Ooh. You know, 
Maybe, maybe you do some Bible studies on the side, like super Christian, right? <laughs> like you're doing all kinds of things. But what do you do when you're not around Christians? Because even in the midst of those things, here, you know, like for example, like here at the Crossings Church, we have a couple like, we have a couple things that we do within our church, right? So we have church service, we have small groups, we have cross chats for our student ministries, um, and we have like a, like a discipling group that sometimes meets throughout the week for like men and women, right? And so we have about four meetings or so that kind of go on throughout the week that, you know, people are involved in. And for the most part, like a, a church service, you know, if, if we're lucky and I'm not long-winded, maybe we'll be here for an hour and a half, you know, um, uh, a small group or, uh, would, would go for maybe about an hour or so. Uh, a cross chat would maybe go for two hours. If you're, if you're college students, maybe three hours because you're, you know, you're night owls. Um, and maybe a, a guy's meeting or a girl's meeting maybe goes for like about an hour or so. So when you, when you wrap all that together, you're looking at about six hours of your week. Six hours of, of Christian meeting time in a week. And a lot of us believe that Jesus controls our lives because we are present in six hours of our lives on any given week. But if you do the math, there's 24 hours in a day, and there's seven days in a week. There's a lot more than six hours of God time you're supposed to have in a week. And I think a lot of times we try to relate that we are so present that God controls our lives because we're present. But there's so much more time outside of those six hours that God's, God's watching and he's saying, you sound good in those six hours. But your actions and the other, I can't even do the math in my head, hours of the week, that doesn't add up. You see, if Jesus, if Jesus truly controls your life, then you're going to have gratitude through your actions in those other hours throughout the week. You're going to find opportunities to serve. You're going to find opportunities to be in relationship. You're going to find opportunities to, to, to be an influence on the lost world around you. You're going to find opportunities to be a light to your family. You're going to find opportunities to have a joyful demeanor in, in your life at your job. It will be shown that Jesus controls your life. You don't have to say it. Anyone who, who says that they're a Christian more than they live it, is skeptical to me. You shouldn't have to brag about something you should be doing every single day of your life. You know? And so maybe that's a question that we need to look at. Second question is, does my attitude show that Jesus has saved my life? Now that's one I get in trouble with. <laughs> does my attitude show that Jesus has saved my life? You see, attitude's important. Attitude reveals appreciation. And so when we think about our attitude, um, you know, have you ever been somebody who just didn't get what you wanted so you pouted? <laughs> have, you, have you ever been somebody that's like, fine, gosh, <laughs> right? Maybe you, maybe you went to a restaurant that, like, you did not want to go to, but everybody else did. And you're like, whatever, we'll eat here. I don't like anything on the menu anyway. And you get your food, and you're like, ah, it's cold. It's, these fries are soggy. Like, and we complain about it all, right? And, 
Or maybe we're at home and we're watching TV and somebody's watching something on TV that you don't want to watch. You're like, whatever. Sit here on the couch and I'll watch the show. This is so stupid. It's not even real. Love is Blind is so fake. I say that to my wife all the time because she makes me watch that show. I'm like, this is not real. It's, it's so fake. Like, they just don't. How could that even happen, you know? And so I'll sit there and I'm like, whatever. And, and so we'll complain about all these different things. And we just find things to complain about time and time again. And, and the reality is, is that's attitude. Like, complaining is attitude. Giving yourself attitude. And I don't know if you guys had moms like mine, but my mom smacked my mouth every time I gave her attitude. If she caught if she caught the slightest bit of attitude in me, she'd be like, hey, you need to go do those dishes. I'm like, fine. Like, What'd you say? I was like, I said, fine. I said, fine. You know, I went off to do my dishes, right? She could sense that stuff, the smallest things in our attitude. No, 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 no. You said fine. You didn't say fine. You said fine. <laughs> Come here. Pop my mouth. <laughs> and then she'd be like, now go wash those dishes. And then I would do it again. I'm like, oh, what'd you say? I was coughing, Mom. I was coughing. I was like, <clears throat> no, you went, <clears throat> you didn't go, <clears throat> come back here, come back, and pop my mouth again. And like, I couldn't win, you know? It was continual complaining and attitude and complaining and attitude, and my mom would recognize that. And uh, my life was a reflection of my, of, my, of my language a lot of times in life. Um, and sometimes I could be pretty subtle in my complaining. You know, that's where you get dangerous. You know, one time my mom told me it was time to go to church, and uh, my mom was pretty old school, and so she was like, we didn't go to church very often, but when we did, she like wanted us to wear like khakis and button-ups and stuff like that, and I hated wearing stuff like that. I still do. Like, I don't want to wear this. Like, my wife makes me wear it. And so I'm, I'm a PE major, man. I'm, I'm sweatpants and T-shirts and hoodies all day, but um, my mom was like that too. And so like one day, like I got dressed for church. And she was like, you're not wearing that. And I'm like, why not? I wear this to school every day. And she was like, no, you can't wear that in the Lord's house. And so this is how my attitude came out. I said, Mom, tell me in the Bible where it says I got to dress a certain way to be a church. You find one scripture that tells me I got to wear khakis and a button up, and I'll wear it. But the problem was I was like 14 when I said that. <laughs> I wasn't a grown man when I said that. I was, I was an attitude high schooler living in my mom's house. What'd you say to me? Come here. <laughs> Even as a 14-year-old, I'm still getting smacked for the, the subtle attitude that I had. And that wasn't like, I didn't have like a, I didn't, I didn't have like a change in my language. I was just sure like, Mom, I'm talking to you civil here. But like the reality is, I was trying to find a complaining way to talk in a civil way. That's more dangerous, you know, because then it's already infused into our heart. Because sometimes when we give attitude, sometimes it can be just like a, a lack of emotion or like a, a charge in our heart that there's like almost like a rage that comes out. But when you can find ways to subtly say things, it's almost more infused in your heart, the complaining nature that you have in your relationship with God. And that's just as dangerous. But the truth here is, is that our attitudes do not reflect that God has saved us. That when we choose to complain about what's going on in our lives, there is not a truth being shown in our lives that Jesus has died on the cross for us. You see, they have to go hand in hand. Our lives should be a reflection of what Jesus has done for us. 
And when we choose to complain, especially about the church, but honestly, in any realm of our lives, what we are really saying in our complaints, in our nagging, in our attitude, if you want to really boil it down, is I'm not really grateful for what Jesus has done for me. I'm not really grateful for what happened on the cross that one day. When we find opportunities to fight with our spouses and complain about the negative things and, and, and the stupidest, smallest things that happen in our lives, I am guilty just as everyone else. The reality is, is that my behavior shows that Jesus dying on the cross was not something that I am very grateful for in the moment. Listen to this in Colossians. Well, you know, in Matthew, Matthew 12, 34, this isn't on your notes, but Matthew 12, 34 says, for the mouth speaks the overflow of the heart. It's so important that when we complain in our attitudes, that's just an indication of where our hearts are really at. And in Colossians 2, 11 through 14, it talks about Jesus dying on the cross for us. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. You got a fresh start. Verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working God who raised him from the, from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. How can you have attitude about that sentence? When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. How can you complain and nag and have attitude when you know that's the reality of your life? He forgave us all our sins, or he forgave all of our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. How can you read that and continue to live a life of attitude and complaining. How can, we, how can we read this and look into our lives and say, I'm still not happy? You see, because if you have given your life to Christ and you have surrendered yourself and you, you have accepted that Jesus has died on the cross for your sins and you have surrendered your life, and you have, you have been baptized, and you are now living a life anew because your sins have been forgiven. How can you complain about the little stupid things in life when something so much greater should be driving your attitude through your days? And if you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, and, you're, and you feel like there's not a lot to be grateful for, and there's not a lot of good things going on in life, I would maybe challenge you in this moment to think and look into your relationship with God and say, maybe there's a reason why things are not so good right now. Maybe somebody's just got to say it to you for once. Maybe life's not so good and things you shouldn't be so grateful for because God's not there. And what's the, what's the hurt? Life already sucks, right? Why not try to change something to see if it could be a little better? Why not maybe check and see if there could be some blessings like God has promised for your life. If you try to invite him into your life and, and, and have a relationship with him and see, see what happens because of that. 
But it's so important for us to recognize that everything that's driven by gratitude is not just a thought and it's not just a saying. But guys, this is a lifestyle of gratitude and we should all be challenged by this today. I'm incredibly challenged by this idea that the way that I talk and the way that I complain and the way that I say things indicates where I'm really at in my relationship with God. You know, the verse we're going to end on today is Philippians 2, 14 through 16. It says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Good luck, spouses. <laughs> There's your charge to leave for today. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without a fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky. You see, there's such, there's such an awesome experience that can happen in our lives when we stop looking for the negatives and we start blessing the positives. And I've been wrestling with that lately a lot too in my life and in my heart, that there's just so many things I want to complain about and I want to argue about and I want to grumble about, but I've been looking at life all wrong. And I realized instead of me just looking at all the negatives, maybe I need to start being more grateful for the positives and it's going to change my demeanor in my life. I'll find more joy, and I have recently. Like I've been, you know, my kids, I try, I try to find every little niche about them that I don't like, or my wife, I try to critique every little thing. And I look at my life and I'm like, dude, I'm just not happy. And then I really look at my life and I, and I think back to my initial time in my relationship with God and I look at when I was studying the Bible and I look at where my life was before then and I look at the relationships around me in the world and I look at my family's relationships that aren't in, the, in a relationship with God and I see everything in the culture around me and I say, why am I complaining about what I have? I should be so grateful for what God has blessed me with. Because it could be a lot worse. Because it has been a lot worse for me. And I think a lot of us would believe that as well about, their, about your guys' lives. I think a lot of you guys would probably feel that same way. Things may feel bad right now, right? But it's been worse, hasn't it? You've been in, you've been in deeper holes, haven't you? And so maybe it's time for us to start looking at those good things and it's going to change the way we talk and the way we act and the way we live. And when we can change our language like that, there's a byproduct here that's so awesome. We become blameless and pure. But what's even cooler is that it says that we'll shine among them like stars in the sky. You see, God wants to bless your life today. And God wants to give you an opportunity to be grateful and to be thankful so that he can bless everything that's going on in your life. But he doesn't just want you to stop there. Because when you can choose to do that, you become a light in a dark world. And many of you in this room have people in your lives that are not in this room that you wish they could see something different. You have family members, you have coworkers, you have lifelong friends, and when you look at their life, you feel that there is a darkness there. You feel like there is a direction that they are heading in that is not good. And God says when we can live this way, he will give us an opportunity to bring a light to some of those people. When you choose to start going to work and stop complaining about your job, 
Stop complaining about your spouse. Stop complaining about your kids. When you can choose to go to work and live differently and talk differently, your coworkers will say, why do you not complain about the things we complain about? Why are you still so joyful even though this job sucks? <laughs> you know, why are you so joyful even though nobody else in this job is joyful? You know what they're saying? They're saying, why does your light shine around a warped and crooked generation? That's what they're saying. When you do that in your families that aren't Christians and they're toxic and they're negative and you go to a family function, holidays right around the corner, right? Have fun at Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's what I say to myself for my family. I'm like, it's coming. <laughs> like, we're all going to be together. And like, I don't know what's going to happen this year. Like, last year we duked it out in a couple different rooms and, it, you know, like, here it comes again. What happens if you come this year and there's no complaining? I mean, there's going to be complaining. It just shouldn't be coming from you, right? <laughs> you know, like, you can't get together with your family and there won't be complaining, but what if it doesn't come from you this time? What if you're there and you're not grumbling and arguing, but you're joyful and you're grateful? For some of you guys, your family's going to be like, what is going on in your life right now? <laughs> like, you know, and that's what this is going to happen. You're going to be a light to your family. What about your schools? What about you students? Well, if you went back to your classrooms and you stopped arguing and complaining like all the other kids in class, well, if you started being happy for what God's doing in your life, well, if you started showing more joy instead of getting on the bandwagon and, and the peer pressure and the culture of what other college students and high school students and junior high students talk about and think about and act like in their schools, those kids are going to be like, what is different about you? You'll be shining in a warped and crooked, dark generation. And so, guys, you know, I just want to encourage you today that gratitude and thankfulness, if anything you can get, is it's not just a thought and it's not just a language. It's a lifestyle. And as we walk through the sermon series, I hope that you guys can find more opportunities to show thankfulness. You know, November has always been like a, a popular month to talk about thankfulness and gratitude. And I want to, I want to challenge you guys to kind of, kind of, to... To, to follow along with that. And I know that some people, I've seen this already like on Facebook and, and some other places, but I'd encourage you guys that if you're involved in social media or you guys are, um, whether it be texting or you know, uh, Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram, whatever it is, but I challenge you guys for the rest of the month of November to comment or post somewhere that people can see the gratitude that you have every single day. I want us to do this as a church together. I want us to be able to look into our lives and show the world that you are truly grateful for what God has given you. And it can be something different every day. It could be your family. It could be your friends. It could be a certain person. It could be a relationship. It could be a living situation. It could be literally anything in your life. I want you guys to put Philippians 2, 14 through 16 into practice this month. Challenge yourself not to argue or complain or grumble, but instead... Put yourself out there like a light in a dark and warped, crooked generation because when I get on social media, when I get on Facebook, I don't really get on Snapchat or Instagram, but when I get on Facebook, it's pretty negative. It's pretty complaining. It's pretty, it's, there's a lot of arguments. It's pretty nasty. I challenge you guys to be the stars in the sky, to be the lights, and to start putting small pieces of gratitude on social media and let the world see what God is really doing in your life. And who knows what could come from that. 
Um, if you guys would, uh, we have a cardstock piece of paper in your bulletin if you guys want to pull that out. This is your guys' opportunity today to respond. Um, you know, here at the Crossings Church, we truly believe that God really wants to bless our lives and give us something better. And because of that, we choose to be grateful with our lifestyles. And that means that our lifestyles here at the Crossings Church look a little different than the lifestyles of the people in the world. And so part of those lifestyle changes that we've committed to have been lifestyle choices that choose to connect to one another. We're very active in this church. We have relationships that go beyond Sunday morning sessions. We have, we have hangouts throughout the week. We have small groups. We have so many different things that we choose to connect with throughout the week. And I'd encourage you to look at this card and maybe fill out for yourself maybe where you're at or where you need to go or where you need to be. For some of you, maybe you don't know what it's like to have a relationship with God. And maybe, maybe check that you'd like a personal Bible study and figure out what it is that God can have and wants for your life. Maybe you're in a place that you, you have a relationship with God, but you don't have relationships with people. And you want to know how to get connected more. And maybe you check that you'd like to be, uh, you, you, know, you want to know more about small groups. And we can get you connected with some people in your life that around your age, going through the same things as you, but you can get connected to other people who are trying to get connected to God as well. I don't know where you're at today, but I know this card is an opportunity for you to respond and to initiate that gratitude that you can have in your relationship with God to see what he can bless you with. And I encourage you over the next couple of weeks, like I said, to continue that thankfulness challenge on social media, but also to, to maybe start being that light in the world and see what can come of it. How cool would it be, you know, if everyone in this room found one person over the next couple weeks to invite to church because of the change that has happened in your life and your gratitude. We would have to put more chairs in here. <laughs> we, would, we would have to get, literally, if every single person in this room brought one person because of your change in demeanor and your, and your gratitude, we would have to bring more chairs in from the side auditorium. And that would be awesome. And that's our dream for this church, is that we can shine so bright in the world that it will attract more people in because of the gratitude that we have for God. So, um, I'm glad you guys came today. I'm going to say a prayer, and then uh, the worship team is going to come up, and they're going to give you guys some further instructions. Um, guys, I want to thank you so much. Uh, even right there, I say, it, I say it like it's just a word, God. Uh, but I want to thank you so much, not just with my words, but God, please challenge me to live in a way that shows that I want to thank you so much. Please change the way that I treat my family. Please change the way that my attitude is developed in every life circumstance. Uh, God, please just create a heart in me uh, to, to be more thankful on a day-to-day -day level so that you can keep a guard on my heart to make sure that the world doesn't seep in and that the world doesn't change uh, my viewpoints and that I don't make it about myself, but I make it about you. And God, I pray that the people here today can do the same. I pray that we can look at our lives and say, what do I need to be more grateful for? How does it need to show up in my language? How does it need to show up in my heart? How does it need to show up in my actions? And how much our, our lives can truly be blessed because of our recognizing and remembering of gratitude that we'll have for you, Lord. So thank you again for your son. And I pray, God, that we can continue to thank you for that on every single day, on every single situation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.